0: This podcast presentation was brought to you by Blackledge Emulsions. Welcome, everybody. This is Amy Miller with Natasha Zipko. We're here hosting the Women of Asphalt, Where We Belong podcast series. This is our second podcast, and we're really looking forward to this one because this is the beginning of our series on interviewing women in the industry. So we'll be interviewing women with various levels of expertise, um, different backgrounds, and we're hoping that this is going to be a platform to help entice women into the industry and maybe even serve as some support for others that are already in the industry.
1: Hey, everybody. It's Natasha. It's good to be back with all of you. We just wanted to thank all of you who've subscribed to our series. Our first podcast had a ton of listeners, and Mm -hmm. we really hope that this series is going to invoke even more. Amy and I are coming to you from beautiful Sacramento, California, today. We're actually here participating in the CalAPA Fall Conference. Yep, Russ and Snyder and Brandon
0: Millar and, and the staff of CalAppa really do a great job of putting together a fantastic conference.
1: They have. They've done a really nice job, and it's very well attended. They've got a very mm-hmm. uh, a very large group that showed up for this year's presentations. The CalAppa conference this year is actually including presentations on binders. SB1 projects and testing. But of course, my favorite topic that they're talking about this year is the Women of Asphalt Leadership Panel. Absolutely. In fact, our guest speaker today is going to be the panel
0: leader for the session that's going to be held tonight. And I have to say, Calapa has done a really good job of promoting this event and really advocating for everyone to be involved with the Women of Asphalt organization.
1: They have. We're going to be interviewing ladies from around the United States That hold various positions within the industry, Um, and one of our goals is, like you said, to open the eyes for women inside and outside of the asphalt industry, um, and just show various roles and opportunities that exist. Um, You know, maybe more non-traditional roles, things that women probably wouldn't have considered doing in the past in this industry.
0: Absolutely, there there are so many positions and so many avenues um, within the asphalt industry in terms of a career in terms of a place to grow and learn and um, meet lots of really nice interesting people and let's
1: just face it have some fun too along the way there's such a good energy behind what we're doing and a lot of support from the men in this industry but on the note of you know having fun we have a new friend that we'd like to introduce you to our guest today is
2: dr rita Leahy. Um, welcome, Dr. Leahy. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I'm honored uh, to be here. Welcome to sunny Sacramento. It truly uh, is an honor, and uh, Women in Asphalt uh, Grassroots Organization is is timely. I, I think we've reached critical mass in terms of women in the industry because. I had to wait in line in the women's uh, restaurant. (laughs) That (laughs) says it all. That's a good indicator. (laughs) That
1: is. That is. When we first reached out to you um, about doing this podcast, I know that it took a few days for Amy to get in touch with you because you were. In the middle of a rather exciting adventure, um, I think it, it would, we could say it involved a bicycle um, an and asphalt, I, and it's an asphalt <laughs> and a little road. Some people might have heard of Route 66.
2: Right. Could you share with our listeners what you were doing on your quote unquote summer vacation? I will do a, a Reader's Digest version. Um, Route 66 from Santa Monica to Chicago, eight states. 2,530 miles in 32 days and uh, more flat tires than I care to remember. So, uh, <laughs> uh, it was quite the adventure and uh, there, there was a, a considerable amount of smooth asphalt. There was some that was not so smooth, but uh, Route 66 uh, construction started in the, I think, mid to late 20s and was widely used 20s 30s 40s 50s until the construction of the interstate so it it has uh, served the nation well in terms of getting people from the midwest to uh, california
1: it must it must be nice for you as someone who's been in the industry for so long and has seen the evolution of you know pavement design and, and construction and to go out there i think you of all people could probably really appreciate this is where we started, and look at where we are today. And if we could
2: go back and do it differently, what would we have? What we have changed? Wow, uh, mm, that that is a, a really really tough question. I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to give you an intelligent answer for that because uh, I think it was more about uh, alignment and uh, considerations of you know where to put things where were the where would be a logical location based on the population other modes of transportation the railroad for example a lot of the alignment of route 66 follows the railroads uh bnsf uh not so much the union pacific but in many cases we were riding parallel to the railroad so uh it made sense so it was less about materials and asphalt than where was the best location to maybe enhance uh, movement of goods uh, and and people well let's just say that you all you have our our utmost respect anyone that
0: rides the mother road for that length of time.
1: <laughs> well, before we, before we go on, we should yeah. probably give our readers, uh, our, our listeners, I'm sorry, a little bit of a background. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Rita, so you have, you've got quite the resume. So you've been working in the asphalt industry for more than 30 years now. You were the technical director of the California Asphalt Pavement Association, project manager and principal with engineering and consulting firms, associate professor of civil engineering at Oregon State University, Senior Staff Engineer with the Strategic Highway Research Program, which would be the SHARP Program, and a Principal Engineer with the Asphalt Institute. When you were at Oregon State, you were invited to lecture in Australia, South Africa, and the United Kingdom. And I really like this one. You were the first woman elected to serve as President of the the Association of Asphalt Paving Technologists, which is AAPT. You've authored more than 50 publications on asphalt technology, materials characterization, and pavement design and analysis. You served as an active member of the Transportation Research Board, TRB, and also served a six year term as the chair of the Research Board's Committee on Quality Assurance. And if that wasn't enough, (laughs) you're a registered engineer with four degrees. Uh, You've got a BA from St. Louis University a B.S. in Civil Engineering from the University of South Carolina, an M.E. in Civil Engineering from the University of South Carolina, and a Ph.D. in Civil Engineering from the University of Maryland. So, <laughs> wow. Well, my, my husband
2: mm-hmm. used to say I, I had all those jobs because I couldn't hold down a job, but <laughs> <laughs> we know better than that. <laughs> I just, you know, it's interesting to try different things. You're absolutely, fantastic.
0: absolutely. Well, let's not forget, we know you to an expert when it's on pavement materials and construction issues for lots of folks, you know, user agencies, civil engineering firms, general contractors, and private industry. So, with all that...
2: Um, Tell us, how did you become interested in working in this industry to start with? Well, again, I'll try to give you a Reader's Digest version. I had hoped to go to medical school. Uh, I didn't get in. I took a government exam and uh, was offered a position in personnel management in Maryland, And that's where I met the man that would become my husband, who was active duty military at that time. It was time for permanent change of station, as they say in the military. We moved to South Carolina and I had an opportunity to go back to work uh, shuffling papers as a personnel management specialist. Uh, and I thought I didn't want to do that the rest of my life. So I said, I think I'll go back to school. My husband said, Well, what do you want to do, honey? And I said, I think maybe I'll be an engineer. (laughs) So while he was stationed at Fort Jackson in Columbia, South Carolina, I did my bachelor's and master's. And then it was time for him to rotate again. We went to Reed Army Medical Center in Washington, D.C. And uh, I noticed that while I was uh, at the University of South Carolina, my professors would knock off in the middle of the afternoon to watch a tennis match or a baseball game. And I thought, that looks like a good (laughs) job. So I said, uh, I think I want to teach at the university. And my advisor at South Carolina said, well, you know, if you want to teach at a real university, you have to get a PhD. Mm -hmm. I said, well, okay, that's what I got to do. I hadn't a clue what that meant, but that's what I did. So my husband was at Walter Reed. I started at the University of Maryland. When I got to Maryland, the Federal Highway Administration had started a graduate research fellowship program and they were looking to increase uh, the number of women in engineering. In what year was this? Uh, uh, there that was the uh, early 80s. Okay. One of my uh, professors at the University of Maryland left this application on my desk and said you know you should you should apply for that you're a woman. So I applied for it uh, my major thesis advisor, who was very well connected in the asphalt world with the FHWA, signed it. And the next thing I know, they were giving me some ridiculous amount of money to study about asphalt. I didn't—I didn't know how to spell it. I mean, I knew it was hot and <laughs> sticky, but you know, it was strictly chance yeah. that wow. that I ended up in asphalt, and and then. When I was nearing the completion of my degree, um, the Asphalt Institute was located right across the parking lot from the engineering building at the University of Maryland. So if my thesis advisor was out of town and he was teaching a class at the Asphalt Institute, he would say, Rita, would you teach this class for me? So I would substitute for him. Mm -hmm. And so when I finished my degree, the uh, Asphalt Institute Institute people said, "Well, why don't you come to work for us?" I said, "Well, sure, why not?" i You know, I still have a parking sticker. I, don't <laughs> I was going to gonna say, it. Sounds change like, anything. It yeah. sounds like she got in this
1: industry more out of convenience. <laughs> she was just sick of going places. It was across the street.
2: <laughs> you know what we do in life is more the result of chance yeah. mm-hmm. than choice. Mm-hmm. So it was you know, certainly some hard work, but a lot of luck, timing, right place, right time.
1: With your background, with your credentials, and you know, I understand. Uh, wanting to keep your parking pass, you know, you went to the Asphalt (laughs) Institute, but, um, you know, what was it that
2: kept you in the industry? Colleagues, friends, uh, mentors uh, that were just very, very supportive. Um, I I think, uh, truly, I I was blessed, uh, surrounded by people that were very helpful and, and very supportive. It was about the people more so than anything that, Kept me uh, in the industry, and they encouraged me to try different things. You know, whether it was academia or consulting or trade association work, different perspectives, uh, owner agencies versus consulting, being a role model in, in academia. So there was uh, just a lot of encouragement from from different people.
0: So, how do you think the industry has changed in terms of opportunities for? women over the years? Well,
2: certainly uh, women are much more visible now. Uh, I, I look around uh, uh, at meetings that I would attend, like the Association of Asphalt Paving Technologists or the Transportation Research Board, and there are just a whole lot more women. Uh, there are women in sales positions, in management positions, in, in quality management um I think because there's a much greater emphasis on sustainability in the industry, we find more women that maybe have become civil engineers through environmental engineering. Uh, and so there, there seems to be uh, joint effort with the environmental aspects, the sustainability and the, the transportation aspect of, of asphalt women are now what 50 percent of of law school classes and and certainly you you see more women involved from from that perspective uh women uh, more routinely or greater higher percentages of uh, mba classes Mm -hmm. and you know to to a large extent it's about the business aspect so Mm -hmm. We see women drawn not only from kind of the engineering or technical side, but sustainability, transportation policy, legal, business, and and so there's much greater. There are greater numbers of women, and and in more diverse areas that uh, are related to the industry.
1: You know, a, a number of years ago, I was in a, a presentation, and there were there had to been four or five hundred people in the room, and. As we know, that means there was probably 490 men and 10 women in this room. They put up um, some slides or something of a baby, and they were they were trying to liken pavement preservation to vaccinating your child, the preventative medicine and that for me was really my aha moment because I sat in the back and thought I wonder how different the roads would be if women made up the majority if women were the majority of engineers as opposed to men because by nature women you know we go to the doctor every year you know probably since we're teenagers we're just very much into that um, you know maintenance and and just preventative care, whereas I feel like men, you know, and any men that are listening, I'm sorry, this is a a bit of a blanket statement, but I think if women were the ones Mm -hmm. or were the driving force for all these years, how much more of an emphasis would there probably be on preservation techniques because, Mm -hmm. you know, that's just in our mindset, so.
2: That's a a very good analogy. When women think about roads, they don't really think about roads uh, in terms of materials or uh, construction I, I think many of them particularly those that, that have children that are trying to get them to a soccer game or to trying to get them to school thinking about roads in terms of quality of life mm-hmm. and so uh, I think that that's a that's a very different way of thinking about transportation in general and and our roads in particular it's, it's more about quality of life than
1: mm-hmm.
2: particular type of material or construction technique.
1: I think it'll be interesting and 50 years from now to see with the changing dynamic in the industry as well just how things, how things are going to evolve. Yeah, absolutely.
0: If you think about young women entering the asphalt industry today, is there anything you'd want to share with them that, you, that maybe you would have liked to have known when you were a young woman entering the industry?
2: You know, I, I don't know that my recommendations would be specific, to women. Uh, okay, so I'm, gonna, I'm going to retract that immediately. Um, my sense, <laughs> there, there is one very specific thing, and, and I don't think you can be a woman in a male-dominated profession and be average. You have to be A+. Plus. And I, I make that statement uh, because when I was at the University of Maryland and I was teaching a class when I was at Oregon State on the faculty Uh, The women in civil engineering were either very very good, or they were not good at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, Unlike the men in engineering, there's the men in engineering. There seemed to be a kind of a normal bell-shaped distribution. You had Mm -hmm. some very good, some not so good, but you had a lot of average students. Mm -hmm. My experience is there were no average. Female students in engineering. You know, you have to be, you have to be a superstar to be judged acceptable. You, you got, you mm-hmm. got to be a first-round draft choice. Mm-hmm. You know, to be on the taxi squad, so mm-hmm. to speak. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, I think we're held to a higher standard. Mm-hmm.
1: I would agree, and I think when you look at the women in the industry, um, one of our founding members, Audrey Copeland, Dr. Audrey Copeland. Uh, you know, I mean, she just she was just promoted to um, uh, chief
2: operating officer, and she's going to be the new executive director of of the National That's Asphalt exactly Payment right. Association. I yeah. I think that is and that is just
1: terrific, extraordinary is certainly a word that I would put in a sentence to describe Audrey any day of the week. Um, yeah, it's, so we might not have a lot of women in the industry, but the ones we have are terrific. They're, they're pretty damn amazing.
2: Yeah, when I read that that Audrey was going to be uh, the new executive director, it reminded me of uh, Neil Armstrong planting the flag on the moon saying that this is a, a small step for man and a <laughs> oh, giant wow, leap nice. for mankind or something yeah. like that. And I thought, you know, we, we need to revise that and, and somehow... Uh, have a statement analogous to that for for Audrey because right. uh, in this industry, I mean, it's it's just such a tremendous accomplishment. I'm I'm just so proud. To, right. And to you know, know her. she's following in your footsteps as a double apt. Yes, um, yes, she is. We've had more and more women elected to the board of directors. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amy Epps, uh, who's going to be participating in our leadership panel. Uh, Joe Daniel from. Uh, I think it's the University of New Hampshire. Uh, so there, there are more and more women being elected to those uh, boards of directors position at at APT.
1: But like Amy said, you know, Audrey was following in your footsteps, and I think I think it's safe to say that you really are the original woman of asphalt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, you know, as
2: a uh, Medicare. Card-carrying uh, adult, I'll I'll accept that very uh, very graciously. So you had asked me about some recommendations. Let me let me go back to that. Can we circle yeah. back to that? Absolutely. This um, is
1: your interview. Whatever you want to talk about. Uh, let's not
2: go there. Um, okay. So, um, with apologies to Robert Burns, the poet, the best played plans of mice and men are usually about equal. I, I said this earlier that. I think what one does in life is more the result of chance than choice and more madness than method. Um, I think we all have to let go of the life that we've planned so that we can accept the one that is waiting for us. Mm-hmm. That's good. This is, uh, I think, true for, for both young women and men. Um, keeping your head down, head down with your nose to the grindstone and doing A-plus work is important but it's not enough it'll only get you so far so I think you have to develop those soft skills like having a positive attitude mm-hmm. communicating clearly and concisely keeping an open mind being flexible and striving to be an attentive and empathetic listener my uh, my third grade mon- nun often reminded me that I had two ears and one mouth and that I should listen twice as much as I talk
0: mm-hmm.
2: um It is said that wisdom begins with three words, I don't know. Um, So I think we all need to have confidence to acknowledge our limitations, things that we don't know, but have the determination to find the answer. And lastly, um, do not confuse your life with your career. Your career is what you do, and your life is who you are. Wow, that—that's uh, all the wisdom I got for sixty-five. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: that's fantastic. I actually, I have one last question oh, for okay. you, if you don't mind. Sure. If you, if, if you had to do it all over again, and you weren't in asphalt, and I know that you know what you said—it's more about chance. Um, but if you had to do it all over again, what do you? If you weren't in the asphalt industry, what do you think you would be doing? Uh,
2: I think I'd be an investigative journalist. Really? Uh huh yeah i'm a I'm an avid reader and uh, i I find uh, it's so refreshing when there's a very well written piece, very well documented, factual, the conclusions are, are logically drawn that you know it's it's uh, like being an engineer without all the the numbers and formula mm-hmm. uh, So being able to take, uh, you know, a complicated subject and gathering information and uh, presenting it in a manner in words that you know the average individual, average reader can can, comprehend. can understand, <laughs> comprehend. Yeah. I, I think is um, you know very important. Very so. fascinating. That's I cool. love it. Yeah. Thank you
1: so much for being with us today. Yes, I really enjoyed this time. You. Thank with you for you the else. opportunity.
2: Uh,
0: this podcast presentation was brought to you by Blackledge Emulsions.